Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, February 6th, the year of our Lord, 2022. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the Word of God. Ladies, it is a rare occasion when David finishes a song without having mentioned his enemies. The fact that David speaks of his enemies so often gives us an idea of how many enemies he had and what his life as the king of Israel was like. The Davidic Psalms began at Psalm 51, and with that psalm, which is a psalm of repentance for David's sins with Bathsheba, every psalm up to this Psalm 64 that we're looking at today mentions David's enemies. This block of psalms gives us a large collection of material that describe the king's enemies through whom we can learn about our enemies and practical examples of David turning to God for help in times of trouble. Last week, our study of Psalm 63 focused on God and how he suppressed the threat from David's enemies. In our text study text today, the situation is reversed because the emphasis is more on the enemies and less about God. However, the ending of Psalm 51 and 64 is nearly the same. Surrounded by enemies and seemingly without help, the psalmist discovers that he does have God and finds that the help he desires is not lacking. When we come back, we're going to talk about secret attacks and sudden judgment. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are talking about secret attacks and sudden judgment. Our scripture reading is taken from Psalms chapter 64, verses 1 through 10. And I will be reading from the New International Version of the Bible if you want to follow along with the scripture reading. Now, reading from the NIV, New International Version of the Bible, book of Psalms chapter 64, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist writes, Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in their evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. 
Surely the human mind and heart are cunning, but God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. All people will fear. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what he has done. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. And the upright in heart will glory in him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Ladies, the key word in Psalm 64 is suddenly. The word suddenly means quickly or unexpectedly. You could say it means without warning. This word is used in the two main sections of our text. First, to describe the secret attack of the wicked on the righteous in verse 4, which says they shoot suddenly without fear. And second, to describe the unexpected judgment of the wicked in verse 7, which says, but God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. The parallel images of shooting the with arrows in our text serves to enhance the contrast. The two shootings provide a note of poetic justice through the psalm as the wicked are done in by their own weapons. So let's unpack Psalm 64. David begins this psalm by asking God to hear his complaint. He says, hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. The word complaint is synonymous with words like objection, protests, or criticism, and therefore comes across as something negative. We often associate it with complaining, but that is not the manner in which it occurs here. Here, David's complaint is a formal allegation against the wicked who he is being unjustly treated by. We might draw a parallel between David's complaint to that of a complainant or plaintiff who initiates a legal action requesting reparation or legal redress. In a similar manner, David brings his case before God. When you are unjustly accused or attacked, you can likewise bring your case before God, as opposed to retaliating and acting as your own defender. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, God says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. So not only is retaliation wrong, but it is ineffective as demonstrated in the case in our text. In this psalm, David's enemies are not launching attacks against him in the open and directly, but behind his back and with malicious words. And there is no adequate defense against them or against him. As a result, David wisely brought his complaint to God. Peter, one of the first followers of Jesus Christ, learned to do this as well. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. As such, 
it should be incumbent upon us to bring every burden we have to God. In the introduction of our study, I mentioned that the emphasis of the text is focused more on David's enemies who are attacking him than on God. As a result, we are privy to a particular kind of evil. In verses two through six, we find an analysis of one, the nature of the evil, two, the weapons of the evil people, three, the methods of the evil people, four, the plans of the evil people, and five, the vicious but complacent pride of the evil people. Verse two says, hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. Evil comes in many forms, but here it takes the form of a conspiracy at the hand of skilled practitioners seeking to cause harm. A conspiracy might describe any conversation between well-known associates. It can be good, upright, even profitable. However, the discussion taking place amongst David's enemies is predominantly negative. It involves a secret plot by David's enemies to destroy him, to take him down. Worst yet, David's enemies were not foreigners plotting in a foreign land to overthrow the kingdom of Israel. Rather, they were enemies from within David's own court in Jerusalem. This reminds me of an attack against my ministry by members of my own church congregation back in 2019. Sometimes attacks from enemies come from within your own camp. For example, we learn from accounts of David's reign in the Old Testament of attacks from within his own family, even from his son, Absalom. Nothing hurts like being betrayed by people you love and trust who have turned against you and are seeking to harm you. It is like the sudden attack of a snake striking from a bush, unseen, biting and emanating poison into the life of his victim. The poison festers to the point that what was once a life of useful surface is destroyed. Do not let your enemies poisonous bite do this to you. Take your burdens to God. Verse three says, they sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. This verse provides a description of the enemy's choice of weaponry, which are their words. Words hold the power to bring life or death. The Bible says that David's enemies sharpened their tongue like swords and aimed cruel words like deadly arrows. David has used this theme in other Psalms. And in Psalm 57 and Psalm 58, David compares the words of his enemies to arrows shot at him secretly from hiding places, just as he does here in Psalm 64. So we know that this was something that David was afraid of and was unable to adequately address. This is true for most of us as well, because it is easier to handle direct assaults against you, but malicious, slanderous gossip and lies behind your back 
is cowardice and nearly impossible to deal with. And unfortunately, the result of such attacks can be very destructive. Consider the careers of politicians and celebrities that have been ruined by so-called unconfirmed reports or information provided by someone close to the source who declines to be identified. The Apostle James said this, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Do you know anybody full of venom, deadly poison? Consider the evil that can be done by words. The most effective weapon of your enemy may that your enemy may possess is his or her words, and are likewise the chief weapon of the Holy Spirit. James 5 and 16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and the words of God are even more effective. Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11 says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that it goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We are called to fight the Lord's battles with the Lord's weapons, which are the word of God and prayer. Concerning the warfare warfare of the saints against Satan and Revelation verse uh, chapter 12 verse 11 the word of god says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony verse 4 of our text says they shoot from ambush at the innocent they shoot suddenly without fear this verse describes the methodology that david's enemies used when conspiring against him it was a secret sudden ambush against an innocent man out of fear and probably jealousy. You know, this stuff actually happens. People will attack you simply because of some perceived fear or unwarranted jealousy that they have of you. This kind of surprise attack against the innocent is particularly effective because the innocent person is innocent and therefore not on his or her guard the way a guilty person is on his or her guard. Verse four of the first verse in Psalms 64 says, um, where the word suddenly appears, it says, they shoot suddenly. The idea behind a sudden attack is to strike when a person least expects it. Who can protect you from arrows launched at you in the dark and from some hidden covert? Only God 
and in him you should trust. Verse five say, they encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, who will see? The word encourage, it's much stronger in our, our text than it suggests because it refers to strengthening others or of hardening them in their evil purpose. You see, the wicked encourage and strengthen one another in their evil deeds. So shouldn't believers encourage and strengthen one another rather than attacking one another as we so often do? The last phrase in verse five suggests the question, who will see? This is the wicked asking, who will see? They ask this question because they are operating in secret, in the dark. As such, they do not believe anyone can see them or that their plots will ever be uncovered. But they have forgotten about God who sees everything and before him all hearts are open and all desires known. Verse 6 is the last thing that David says in our text about the wicked. It says they plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning. God will shoot them with his arrows. The wicked foolishly believe that they have devised a perfect plan. They are full of pride. They look down on the innocent as naive, stupid people. But as we will see, it is they who are foolish because they have forgotten God. The Bible tells us that anyone who leaves God out of their life is foolish. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The last phrase in this section of our text, the last sentence of verse six, is David's comment on the nature of man and the evil inside of him. He says that they plot injustice. The human mind and heart are cunning. He does not say that people are kind, reliable, generous, nor name any other good quality about them or that they are capable of. No, he basically describes evil people as bottomless in their supply of evil deeds and ability to cause harm. Jeremiah chapter 19 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. This is really awful. And the really frightening part about this is that for most of us, like for David, the threat is closer to home than we realize. It is in our churches, amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is in our families, amongst parents, siblings, nieces, and nephews, and among our neighbors, etc. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, while people are saying peace and safety, Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. This is what happened in Psalm 64. For the first five verses of our text, the wicked has been hatching nefarious schemes against King David. They hatched these plans in secret behind David's back and they encouraged each other along the way. 
They reached a point where they were so confident in the success of their vicious plot that they began patting one another on the back, congratulating each other and saying, we have devised the perfect scheme in secret. Who will see us? But suddenly, without warning, God, who has been watching all along from heaven, launches his own attack against the wicked ones and takes them down. Verse 7 says, but God will shoot them with his arrows. They will suddenly be struck down. Unbeknownst to the wicked, they have been on God's radar and in his sight all along. And his attack against evil doers does not require a quiver full of arrows. One arrow does the job. Notice how there are a lot of verses describing the labor-intensive efforts and drawn-out plots of the wicked, which builds to a climax. Yet the destruction of the wicked comes quick in just one and a half verses. There are three lessons to be learned from this song, and they are found in verses 8 through 10, which says, He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads in scorn. All people will fear. They will proclaim the work of God and ponder what he has done. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. First, the wicked and their evil deeds will be exposed, turning their own tongues against themselves. And those watching from the sidelines will shake their heads in scorn. Secondly, all the people will fear God and ponder what he has done. And just so you know, God's fear is not the same as fear of a tyrant. To fear God is absolute reverence and awe of Almighty God, the creator of the universe and everything therein. Fear tends to creep in when wicked people are brought down. Third, verse 10 says, the righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge. We have talked about God as our refuge in numerous Bible study podcasts. And we know that when we say God is our refuge, we are saying that God is our shelter and a safe place of protection or safety from danger. We are saying that he is our strength and our peace. Ladies, in this Psalm 64, the judgment of evildoers is in the future, but God's people are told to rejoice Now, because the sudden judgment of the wicked is absolutely certain. When you are under attack and when secret attacks against you are exposed, it takes faith to trust God and to look ahead to God's sudden judgment against evildoers. But it is true faith that wins the victory. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that via the Tithely app at Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, G I V E L I F Y dot com. You may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole. 
or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California 90034. Please join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. In the meantime, don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Jan- Evangelist Janice, J-A-N-I-S, Nelson, today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you.